Welcome to the fourth edition or fourth episode, I should say, of the second season of the 10th Region Weekly. Alongside me is Evan Dennison, formerly of the Ledger Independent and now with the Northern Kentucky Link, I think it is. I don't really know because I want to forget the fact that uh, Evan's there now and all of us uh, in the Ledger coverage area is still um, sulking his absence. But we got uh, Coach Ben Franzen of Bishop Brosser with us tonight and Coach uh, How's the 10th region tr treated you so far? You know, it's been a while since I've been in the 10th region uh, and then joining it after, you know, 10 plus years, having been at Highlands and, and Covcath over in the 9th region and getting really acclimated with how things work in the 9th. It's been a little bit different, um, you know, not having had to pay attention to the 10th a whole lot until state time, really. Um, you know, even some of the schools that, you know, you wouldn't have, I wouldn't have normally paid attention to having to reacclimate myself to those schools has uh, been kind of a little bit of a process. So a work in progress with that. And Ben, uh, you know, again, thanks for, thanks for coming on here with us. And uh, you're the, the first guest of the season, so you should feel honored, man. Wow. Wow. Is, you're number one on the, on the depth chart right now. So uh, <laughs> this, it, however you answer these questions, I think will determine, you know, where, where that ranks you throughout the year. So <laughs> pressure, but uh, you know, we'll get started here, you know, just a few questions here for you and just kind of pick your brain and, and kind of see what you're thinking. Cause you know, you're, you're a newer, newer voice to the 10th and I think it's good to, to hear from everybody, um, you know, every year. So, you know, starting off, you know, you guys are off to a uh, looks like a, you know, a, a five and three start to the season. You know, you got off hard four and zero, oh, and you know, you're, you're basically a quarter of the way through now. You know, you're 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 eight games in. There's about a thirty to thirty two game season, depending on you know how far you go in the postseason. So, just tell me, you know, eight games in now, how how you're liking things. You know, are you happy you're sitting in that head coach's seat, and you know, go from there. You know, talking to, to Coach Rusatz and uh, Coach Frederick back in May when I was pondering this decision, um, you know, Coach Rusatz told me at the time there was going to be things that I would encounter that I would only encounter as a head coach. Um, and, you know, he's he's right. You know, you can talk about it. You can write things about it in a log or talk about what you do in this situation or that situation. But in, until you actually get in certain situations – uh, and you actually have to make the decisions. And it's not just, you know, writing it down and what if this happens or what if that happens. But when those situations become real and they're right in front of you and you have to make them, uh, you know, I'm encountering those uh, types of decisions now. And, and like I said, I'd like to think, you know, we're making the most of them. And here in the early going, like you said, we get off to a, a 4-0 start. And, and we played, we faced a couple, you know, good teams in Beachwood and Harrison County in the 10th. And, and like you guys mentioned earlier, getting acclimated to those 10th region teams, Harrison, and then obviously Campbell on Friday. Uh, and, you know, we're hitting the ground running with, with those teams and we're facing a part of the schedule where, you know, those types of teams are becoming reality here. Absolutely. Now, you know, we'll go back to your high school playing days, you know, just cause you're not so far removed. You're still a young gun, um, graduated 2009. What's, what's been the biggest difference you've seen from, you know, when you played high school ball until now? Cause I mean, that's 13 years ago. I think it's still relevant, but 
you know, things have changed so much, I think, just within the last decade or so. What, what's been the biggest changes you've seen for, at the high school level? You know, it used to be, you know, you'd run quick hitters to get, you know, go for threes or, you know, you'd have one or two guys that, you know, you'd star or pin at the high school level that, you know, hey, this guy's a shooter or that guy's a shooter. But you watch teams like, you know, Covcath and Highlands right now um, that run out five guys that are four or five guys that can shoot the three makes a difference. Right. Um, you know, if you don't guard it or if all five are hitting at one time, I mean, that changes the whole complexion of a game and, and, you know, certain schools, you know, you can try to game plan for, for that if, if you're facing a team like that. But, you know, if you are and they're all hitting on all cylinders, it, it makes for a tough night for an opposing team. I think I think, you know, you know, just in the early going, kids are, in my opinion, let to play a little bit more free now. Um, you know, they're able to to make decisions. It's not as much sets as it is continuity offenses that they're able to, to make basketball plays versus for lack of better way of saying it more structure. And, you know, you got to do this before you do that, or you got to cut here before you go there. Um, you know, I, I feel like if you can play and, and you got high IQ, it, it, it allows players to, to make plays like that. I feel like. And, you know, you mentioned the three pointer and it's just crazy how much that's part of this game now. And it's, it's really trickled down to the high school level. And, yeah, you know, at the NBA level, we've seen it probably since Steph Curry entered the league. Um, you know, I living in Maysville for seven years, I always thought Chris Lofton was a decade too late. If he was, oh, if he God. was, if he was in the NBA from like 2010 to 20, he would have been, you know, the the modern day I think JJ Redick of, of the league because mm-hmm. he would have fit in so well with with the system, with like whether it be like with Mike D'Antoni or any of those, you know, guys that just love to run and gun and shoot the three. So, you know, you've, you've got kind of a, a team that fits that mold in a way. I mean, you average looks like about 21 threes a game. And I think, you know, getting a, a glimpse of you guys Friday night against Campbell County, I mean, you've got three or four guys at all times that the the defense has to respect that three-point shot and just how much of a weapon that is in the game these days. Yeah, the way our team is set up, as you just mentioned, Evan, we've got you know, a guard oriented team that, you know, we've got to present ourselves as capable shooters at the very least. Right. Um, you know, we're not, we're not much of a threat in the post. Um, you know, we've got, you know, one senior that, you know, works really hard uh, down in the post Luke Schumacher. Um, and he, he does a lot of our rebounding, but other than him, the other guys that we run out there are pretty three capable guys. And like you said, the goal by tournament time, if, if uh, you know, the numbers are what they are now, but to, to make those guys, the opposing teams have to respect those guys that we run out and, and know that, you know, they're going to, they're going to cut loose if and when they get the opportunity to. You know, reading oh. your biography here put together by Dave Schauble, the man of, of Brossard, or the, or the voice of Brossard, I should say. You know, it says here, you know, you worked several summer camps for Tom Izzo up at Michigan State. And yeah. How much would you recommend that as a high school coach going to do that for like a week and, and learning from a, a guy like that? And Because I imagine, you know, that's that's one of the masterminds of, of college, college basketball. So that is a, an invaluable experience. I actually connected with – Michigan State through a good friend of mine, Ryan Ham, who you probably know, Evan. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a really good friend of mine. And uh, when he was trying to break into the college game, like myself, at one point in time, I was trying to do the same. And uh, he never actually got the opportunity to go work Michigan State, but he had, you know, an in there. 
and I worked my way in, gosh, um, I guess it would have been my last year at Highlands is what was my first year there. And I went three or four consecutive summers there. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot about camps. Um, and I took a lot of opinions of guys who had worked camps and instead of kind of doing trial and error on my end, I took the opinions of those who had worked a lot and then heard enough to say, Hey, this is the camp I wanted to work. And once I got in there, uh, I really found no reason to go anywhere else. Um, as you mentioned, Coach Izzo was, was and is fantastic, uh, you know, has everybody over at his house, talked to him individually, his staff, who actually isn't intact anymore, Coach Stevens uh, got a head coaching job, Coach Garland retired, Coach Fife moved on to Indiana, and now he's in the AAU circuit, but that whole staff was intact when I had done those four consecutive summers. And the way they treat you up there is is really second to none. Not me for being a, a dinky camp worker at the time. Uh, there was no looking down uh, was my most impressive thing. You hop in there and I can recall a time Coach Stevens, who, like I said, is, is a head coach now. I can remember him telling me like, hey, man, once you're in here, you're, you're a part of us. You're, you're a part of and, you know, you hear that stuff and hearing it and then actions reflecting upon it or two different things. And I can remember it was Denzel Valentine's senior year. And it was a Tuesday before their Saturday senior night against Ohio state up in East Lansing. And I can remember shooting, you know, and they give out their cell phone numbers. And, and a lot of times college coaches won't do that. Right. Especially the camp workers. And I can remember shooting coach Stevens a text. And this was like my first test, like, man, is this really going to be true? And I thought, man, this is a long shot, but I'll give it a shot. And I sent him a text. I said, coach, you know, any chance I can get a couple tickets for, for senior game? I know it's a huge game. This was when uh, uh, Michigan State was one or two in the country at the time. It was the year they got bumped from the tournament early, Denzel Valentine's senior year, like I mentioned. And he shot back with me within five minutes and said, I got you covered. And I can remember driving up to that game with my dad and that environment up there, uh, it was, it was towards the end. It was like, like I said, senior night, last game of their home season. I can remember walking in and, and they just let a camp worker went into the coach's office up there and they actually had Josh Jackson on a uh, recruiting visit at the time. If you remember Josh Jackson, number one recruit wound up in Kansas. They thought he had, they had him on lock. Mm. And uh, I can remember coach T stopping the visit with Josh Jackson standing right there, stepping over me and my dad and shaking my hand and saying, it's great seeing you. Thanks for driving up. And I'm thinking to myself, is this, is this happening right now? Like he just Josh Jackson's recruiting visit to say hi, to, say hi to me. And at that time it was only my second summer working that camp. And, you know, they just make you feel like a million bucks, man. And I, I'll never forget that. Um, and, and even today, like, you know, it's been tough for me with a young family, uh, you know, not being able to go up there the last couple summers, but I fully intend my son uh, is four. He's really close to being able to go up. So that's one thing that I want to be able to, to do with them. They reach out every spring, you know, are you able to come back up and they don't forget about you. And I think that's so cool. And for me, they share everything, you know, they sit down and have chalk talk with, with their coaches and you got coaches coming all across the country to work that camp. It's, it's pretty incredible. So I'm sorry if I was a little long winded there, but I, I really, uh, you know, that experience for me is something that I'll never forget. And I was never a Michigan state. I I grew up a Duke fan, actually. Um, hope Ooh. you guys don't hold that Ooh. against me. Ooh. Yeah, I know. But but ever since then, um, I, 
it's funny because I never worn green ever until now, obviously, but, but I wore green starting working that Michigan state camp because of how much I felt valued for just working a dinky little summer camp. And then just, it, it was incredible. And still to this day, you know, I, I, I think it's so awesome the way they treat people up there. You guys heard it here on the state hot podcast. Ben Franzen is the one that costs Michigan state, Josh Jackson. Remember that guy. <laughs> that's right. That's Kansas, right. Kansas fans are forever indebted to you. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's the real reason that coach Franzen hadn't been back to, to work the Michigan state camp. It's <laughs> hey. not that as he's got a young family job. Now he calls, he calls coach Izzo a number one recruit, but no, that, that story's great. I, I enjoyed every minute of that. And, um, I wish, you know, I'm a little bit older now, but I wish I would have taken the opportunity to work some of the camps that I had chances to. But, you know, I had a family young, too, and I wasn't able to do that. But one thing you said, Coach, um, you talked about kids playing more freely now. Um, Obviously, you all put up a lot of points early on this season. Um, I would say that your kids are playing a little bit more freely under you than what they have in the past at Brossard. You know, Brossard's been one of those schools who's known to – no matter – what players they had or next man up that, you know, coach code had a system and they could all run that system and they were successful doing so. Um, How easily have your kids adjusted to playing more freely when all they've known is a system? Uh, It's, it's been a, uh, it's been a process and it still is a process. You know uh, the offenses we have in right now, allow that freedom, allow that playmaking. And, and when I say this, people reach out and say, you know, what about this? Listen, there's no taking away from what the codes did. They're, they were very successful at what they did and, and what they were. Um, and, and, it, and there's no right or wrong way. You know, that was their way. And, and like you just mentioned, Pat, they were very successful in that way. Um, and it's preference, right? So we, when I came in, I felt like with the clientele that we had, uh, I wanted to allow the kids for us to potentially make a run towards the end of the year. This was going to give us the best shot for us to to move on and hopefully in the districts and, you know, God willing, you know, a regional tournament run. And, you know, it's still a process. I don't we're we're still nowhere near where, you know, we we want to be. But, you know, we're, we're hoping to take it step by step here and, you know, allow this this change and this process, you know, these six. Well, what what is now six seniors? We had seven, but we had a uh, a season long injury with with Jack Poe. But the six seniors that we have, you know, they've they've been in that system for three years, and and they're the kids that we have are great kids. They'll do exactly what you tell them to do, and they I'm sure they did exactly what you know Coach Codes you know told them to tell, to do what to do. So it's like the reprogramming you know their minds into what we're trying to do with them now. And and like I said, we're not there, but but any successful team's not going to be there December 18th anyway. So it's a year long process. uh, And we're hoping that process continues to trend upward and take our bumps along the way. And, you know, hopefully we'll be where we want to be at the end of the year. Well, I didn't know know about Jack Poe being injured for the year. And I know that's a detrimental injury to your program. So uh, prayers to him for a speedy recovery. Yeah. He's actually got his surgery on Thursday uh, on his ACL. uh, And that's a kid, man. I feel for everybody in our program feels for him. He was a basketball only kid. I uh, worked his tail off all summer, all fall, and, and literally had this injury, you know, the week before the season. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, but like I told Jack, there's a reason we'll find the reason and, and, and he'll wind up better for that. 
What'd you take away from, uh, you know, your first crosstown shootout? I mean, obviously, you know, you probably would have liked to see the camels shoot a little bit less <laughs> from three point range, but, um, you know, back, I guess back when you were in 2009, did, did, were, was it as big, um, as a rivalry as it is now, or, you know, what, well, what what's it? Kind it of was, like? it was, it was always, you know, even growing up, it was. And, and if, if, if anybody digs deep, actually my senior year in 09, uh, you know, we beat Brossard by about 20 and then we lost to Brossard in the district opener, knocked first us round. out. Yeah. Yeah. First round, we didn't even make it to region. And we were kind of the, the team everybody talked about. It was me and a couple other seniors, uh, a couple guys that I graduated with that were pretty good, really good high school basketball players. Uh, those two were. And, um, you know, we were highly favored in that game and, and uh, they caught us off guard and and knocked us off first round. That was actually the only year the 10th was hosted at the Bank of Kentucky Center. Mm. And that was Campbell County's home year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, we pushed uh, the district pushed to get that to the bank because they thought that was going to be an advantage for us. And, you know, here we didn't even make it there. So, um, you know, but like you said, uh, you know, that was a big year. Um, it was always, I mean, and it, it's big for the schools and the general student bodies. They have a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, like you saw, Evan, both schools on Friday, huge student turnouts, huge crowd turnouts. Um, for a high school game, for a general high school game, it's an atmosphere that you don't see every every game, especially in a venue of that size. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, you know, you're going to be in for a treat down in Paris for the All-A, you know, especially if you guys can get to that final. And, and let's say you're going to face most likely Bracken County, yeah. albeit if they avoid any upsets or you're saying with you guys avoiding yep. upsets or whatever, but you'll experience that in that game. And it, it's just a, it's a real cool environment. And I, I think, you know, I, I tip my hat to, to the small schools and, and just the whole tournament itself, not only within the region, but you know, across the state. And I think one day you'll, you'll eventually get to experience that being at Brossard, being a strong all a school. And I just, I, I love that tournament. And, um, you know, I, I think it's something that you're going to really love. And, you know, at Covcath, obviously it's something you guys never played in, but, um, right. you know, now you're in the middle of it. I, I think it'll be a great experience for you. Guys. Well, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause I have zero experience in the all a, I was at Campbell, obviously none of that's at Highlands. None of that's at Covcath. But a really good friend of mine, Casey Sorrell, experienced it last year for the first time. And, yeah. you know, we've talked about it a lot. And, uh, you know, he told me, he's like, man, because obviously we were together on the state run on the 18 team. And, mm -hmm. you know, for us, you know, that 18 team was was the 95 Bulls team for us. And it really was. It, whether We thought it. Everybody thought it. And if you don't, there, there's something wrong with you. But because um, that team, I still look back and, and we talked about at the time, like, hey, we better enjoy this because that team was special. And you look now at the guys that were on that team, you know, CJ at UK, Mike's going to be a first round draft pick, AJ's quarterback, or, I mean, it just goes down the line, Nick Thielen at Bellarmine, like, you know, there's six or seven guys on that team that, that are still playing something now, but, but back to Casey, so we talk and he, he's told me like, man, we thought Rupp was cool. Like, if you get an opportunity to do this, he said, they take care of you even better than at Rupp. And for me, it's like, dang, that's, that'll be something. Right. Cause I think the people at Rupp take care of you, but you know, he, he's told me numerous times, like, man, we thought Rupp was cool. This is really, really cool. So and it's funny you say that. Cause you know, Patrick had mentioned that when they, they went and he played in the all a state tournament for Bracken County when he was with the girls coach there back in, you know, 2010, 11, something like that. 
in that in that range and just how cool of an experience is. And I just I got one last one for you. You know, you hit yeah. on the 2018 Covington Catholic team, won the state title. What's your biggest takeaway from that? Because, I mean, not many people are ever going to be able to experience that in the coaching ranks of, of being the state champion. No, it's something that, uh, you know, I uh, you don't really have words for it sometimes. Uh, that was, gosh, I guess it's been five years now this year. And, um, you know, at the time, that was my second year at Covcath, you know, as the JV head coach. And uh, like I said, with Casey Sorrell, another young guy, with Joe Frederick, who had been there in 14, obviously Coach Rousset's been there in 14. And, you know, we knew we were coaching guys at the time that were pretty high-level guys as far as their skill and athleticism. And, you know, I can remember Joe Frederick always telling me and Casey, like, fellas, we, we got to enjoy this. This isn't normal. Like, this isn't this isn't going to be every year. And, you know, so we that was like our thing that year. Like, every step along the way, we keep saying, like, you know, no matter the ups and downs, that year we had a bad loss before we rattled off 12 in a row uh, to Winton Woods, actually, over in Cincinnati. And I, no matter what, we're like, man, we, we still got to enjoy this. It's, it's not going to be like this every year. And I just remember that. I remember coaching those guys and, you know, the Aiden Rusats and the CJ Fredericks, the AJ Michael Mayers, the, I mean, the Nick Thielens coming off the bench who would have, I mean, we had three guys on that team, three, four guys on that team that would have started for probably 80% of the other high schools in the state of Kentucky. I mean, my JV team that year, you know, we didn't lose a game. And it's, it's because very little of me and a lot to do with they were, they could have been varsity teams somewhere else. I mean, they were, it was just a blessing to be able to coach guys of that talent level uh, that year. And I, and I remember, and I'll remember that. I'll remember, you know, the whole journey along the way, uh, the guys that were with the guys that I coached with that I still talk with, you know, talk to Joe Frederick on a daily basis, Casey Sorrell. And it's all about friendships. You guys know this, you know, you guys have coached or been in media, you go any step you go, whether it's successful or not successful, you gain these relationships and coaching that you work closely with certain people on a, on a year daily and then yearly basis. And even though I'm not at Covcath, you know, still having those Casey Sorrell's Joe Frederick's, you know, even the the older gentlemen at Covcath, they, they still reach out to me, you know, on a daily basis, you know, great win last night. And I'm like, you know, like, how cool is that? You know, that that the people don't forget about you, um, that they value the relationships as much as you, you know, you know, value them. I think for me, I'll, I'll remember that because, uh, you know, even the Tony Batchacalupos, the, the Bob Rose, they, they don't the good relationships are just so cool to continue those no matter where you go. I think that's when you really find who your true relationships are and, and who the ones that are just your relationships at the time. And then they kind of fade away just because you're gone or just because you moved on to something different. I think you find out, you know, who, who your true friendships really are. Yeah. That hits home <clears throat> with me a little bit too, you know, just, now I'm still a little bit a part of the 10th region. I just kind of went right. north a little bit, but I still get texts from, you know, coaches or, you know, kids, parents, or, you know, we miss you, you know, I hope you're doing well. And I mean, I've only been gone for, you know, almost two, three weeks now, but yeah. you just kind of feel that. And that's just something I think that I'll have, you know, forever with a lot of these people and these relationships build over time, which is really cool. So, yeah, 
PK, yeah. unless you know you got anything left for Ben, we can probably let him do night duty for his kids. <laughs> well, I just want to say that uh, I do want to say that you know the tenth region, you know, on the boys and girls both, I've got to experience both. Gratefully, um, the fraternity amongst the coaches is pretty strong. Um, you know, you compete on the sidelines, you go head to head. It's friendly, healthy competition. Then afterwards, you know. A lot of them hang out together, a lot, you know, send texts. And that's when I really realized, you know, I gave it up for a year due to health reasons. And that's when I really realized how important some of those relationships were because when I wasn't able to coach and I was in the hospital for four days, you know, the amount of coaches that reached out to me to check on me, some of them did it more than family. You know, some of the people that I only see maybe once or twice a year, but talk to on a daily basis through text or whatever, reached out to me. Then that's kind of what made me realize, you know, just how strong of a bond and relationship and networking and how important it is. And it's really strong in the 10th. So um, welcome you to the 10th. I know you're going to fit in nicely and I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, Like I said, appreciate you guys thinking on me. And uh, like I said, best of luck to you guys. Uh, and both your guys' avenues here, and uh, look forward to staying in touch. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming on, Ben. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Merry Christmas. Same to you guys. Bye. And that was Coach Ben Franzen of the Bishop Roster Mustangs. And uh, Coach Franzen had a uh, very good week this week. I got him a district win over Calvary and um, went one and one with the loss to Campbell County that you previously mentioned on Friday. Um, but let's stay in the 37th. Um, things are starting to shake up there. Um, and I think you could probably know this better than I do, but don't they only play each other once and that one game counts for seeding? Yeah, just All one right, game. So currently what I have right now is Brossard's one and one. They've yet to play Scott. Um, Campbell County's one and oh. They still have to play Calvary and Scott. And then Scott's one and oh because I think they've beat Calvary. Yeah. Yeah, so – Things are starting to shake up there in the 37th. Yeah. I mean, uh, this week, I believe Campbell plays Calvary on Tuesday or Wednesday. Don't know the exact day. It looks like the 20th, so that would be Tuesday. And then uh, Calvary, you know, they're they're just struggling. You know, I think we knew this was coming, uh, you know, after last season when they graduated so much. And I think, you know, their top eight players, they were only returning four points total. Uh, scored at the varsity level so it's a, it's a tough year for them and I think that's what makes the one seed this year so important because you want to avoid that two three game and that's just something that we seems like a broken record talk about every year and you know Campbell looks like they're in the driver's seat now but you know Scott will still definitely have their say um, come you know whenever they whenever they face uh, Campbell County and Brossard it looks like they still have Campbell County on uh, January 27th and then they still play Bishop Brossert on January 20th. So I think those two games are going to be the ones that factor all this out. But I would say based off what I saw on Friday night, Campbell County looks like the team to beat there. Um, but that um, Scott Brossert regular season game will kind of give us a look into what possibly may transpire into that 2-3 matchup. And, yeah. you know, we know how important, you know, honestly, I think that matchup's probably locked up, like you said, I mean, it would take Campbell having a meltdown to probably drop from that one seed. So um, that'll be a fun game to watch, knowing that those two could face each other in the re- in the uh, first round of districts as well. But um, just want to talk about Scott a little bit. They lost a tough 107-104 overtime game to Walton Verona this week. Um, 
107, 104 in overtime. I would think that would be more like a seven overtime game. Man. I, I, I actually wrote a little recap on that um, because both those teams are in the coverage area, and it was just wild. I mean, it was like 143 field goals combined attempted, like 57 three-pointers, I want to say, and 60-something free – it was just insane amount of what was going on. And it looked like um, – I hope I pronounced his name right. It looks like it was Zarek – Zarek Atanas is – Come out, coming out party. He had 36 points in that game and uh, knocked down five three-pointers. He looks like he's a uh, uh, is he a sophomore for Scott. Uh, he had 36 in that one. He's a junior. So, big night. Um, but, you know, it's I feel like it's following the theme for them from last year where they just they, – they couldn't pull out close games. You know, last year I think they went like one and eight, one and nine, and games decided by like five points or less. And – this year already, you know, I don't know if it's just, you know, tough luck or shots just not going down down the stretch. But, you know, two overtime losses and then that also that that close loss to to Bracken County. So um, just, a, you know, a, a tough start for Scott. They're uh, three and six on the year. And but again, I think it's a team that's going to keep improving. Um, they host a their winter tournament this year, this this week. They open up with Hamilton out of Ohio and. Hopefully they can get Braden Howell and uh, Nolan Hunter back because they missed the the Mason County game. And Hunter, I know, I think he's only played like one game. We talked about that last week. So I'm not really sure on when he's back, but I imagine I'll, I'll get out there this week and, and be able to, to catch them to play. But they didn't have a good win over Paris, looks like on Wednesday. So that, it kept me for them putting them still at like seventh in the region. I don't really think they took much of a dip. Seventh or well, eighth. Well, I – you know, I didn't realize that Howe and Hunter both missed the game against Mason. And, yeah. you know, they lost that game by 20, which, you know, those two play, that's a different game, obviously. I'm not so sure they make up a 20-point difference against Mason County, but um, mm-hmm. Scott's played Bracken County as good as anybody this year, except for mm-hmm. Cuff Calf. Right. But they're on a whole other level. So I definitely think Scott has some promise, and I definitely think um, they're going to continue to get better. And, you know, the positive or silver lining to, you know, guys being hurt early in the season, Coach Fromar gets a good opportunity to play a lot more guys to develop them and to see what they can do in game-like situations, you know. So long as those se- or long as those injuries aren't season-ending, you know, he's learning some other guys. He's getting them valuable minutes to where maybe a foul trouble or something late, you know, in the season. These guys have experience and can come in and help. But Come, come um, the new year, we'll get a real good gauge of them because they really start digging into the tents. That it seems like they've been – you know, similar to what they do prior years, is, is stay up there, play play ninth region, or go over to Ohio, play some of those teams. But you look at their schedule down the stretch: Pendleton County, Harrison County, Bishop Brossard, Campbell County, Bourbon County, Augusta, George Rogers, Clark. So, you know, we're going to get a really good gauge of them from January sixth to February third on kind of where they stand within the region. Well, you mentioned the uh, Scott Winter Classic, and um, I had that down too, and. You'll hear me mention this week a lot of different classics, tournaments, and things going on next week because a lot of the 10th region teams will be participating. But um, December 21st to the 23rd, anybody who's a basketball fan wants to go down, um, you'll see the Scott Winter Classic at 2.30. Boone County will play against Cal, the Christian Academy of Louisville. 4.15, you get Hamilton, Ohio against Scott. Then in the nightcap, you'll get Connor and Shelby County. So six good, solid teams there. Um and if you're a basketball fan in the area, you'll have something to do. So 
go check out Scott and their Winter Classic on December 21st through the 23rd. All right, let's move on to the 38th. Um, man, Harrison County coach, or Evan, they had a good week. Um, they go to 8-1 and one with wins over Henry Clay and Fern Creek this week. Their only loss coming to GRC, which is nothing to hang your head about. Um, but they, uh, I watched them play against Boone County, like I mentioned last week, and I really like the way they're playing right now, and I really think they're a top – four or five team in the region. Yeah, that 19-point win over Henry Clay was what really stood out to me. I mean, if you recall, last year Henry Clay was in the Sweet 16. Now, I don't know exactly what roster turnover they had, but you beat a program that's been to a Sweet 16 the year before, that's that's an impressive victory. Well, and Coach Brown's still there at Henry Clay, and I promise yeah. you Henry Clay's one of the largest enrolled schools in the state of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. um, they're putting out athletes every year. Um, yeah, you Kate beat them Buster by 19. Had a month monster game that night he had 22 points 13 rebounds and if i recall from what i saw on twitter he had like seven assists too so you know and it's just funny to me sometimes i see people ranking the 10th region players and somehow they don't rank caden custard when that's that's dumb it, i mean it's I mean, dumb because you know he may be you know we could talk about this on another episode but he may be the most valuable player in the 10th and what i mean by that is you take him off that team how good are they you know, yeah. you can take Jerome Morton off Clark, and they're still good. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got a weird sketch. They got a weird week. Well, they got the. Um, I noticed they play in the two A next week. Yeah, at but West then there's West. other teams that play in the two A after Christmas. Yeah, they, I think it's just whenever you can fit those games in and get them in. You got like a certain day to get them done by, and you know, it looks like you know their schedule's odd. I don't know because they've got. One, two, three. They got four games this week, and they they've already played what? One, two, three. Nine four, games. Seven and one. I got eight and one. Okay, maybe they're seven and one. Yeah, but that that'll mean twelve games, and then it looks like from December twenty third to January tenth, they don't have a game. So, um, eighteen day break, which is big. But I mean, also, you know, they're playing the Marshall County Hoop Fest this week. That's yeah. I was getting. Time. I was getting ready to mention that. Uh, they got, and, you know, that's one of the state's premier events around, you know, the holidays. And I know at Robertson County with Coach Massey, they got a chance to experience that. And he talked about just how nostalgic and, you know, the atmosphere and how everything was down there. So, wish uh, Coach Brooks and his breads the best of luck as they travel to Benton this, this week. Yeah, that's a hike, but uh, it'll be a good experience for them. It looks like they're playing two games in one day on the 22nd. They play – Camden Central out of Tennessee, and then they play Marshall County that evening. Well, you know Marshall County is going to give them a test. Yeah, and then they've got Deltona the next day. Um, fun little bit about Deltona. My parents live 15 minutes from there down in Florida. So, You got a scouting report for Coach Brooks? Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to help him out there. I know it's a smaller school in Florida, but I'm sure they'll have some athletes and be good because they're usually always good in football. I know that, but I'm not really sure about basketball. Right. So that's just an odd schedule, but I assume if they beat Western Hills, they would slot in another two-way game in between the 23rd and the 10th. That's probably why they did that. Well, that's what crossed my mind, but then where I saw other teams were playing their 2A two weeks from now, I'm thinking, well, maybe they don't have a – I don't know. It just seemed weird, you know. Maybe I'm used to the all-A format to where it's tournament format all in one week. That 2A just seems so scattered to me, and – 
Yeah, because um, it, it says in their section, because they moved out of Mason County section. They're they're in there. Their sections has Western Hills, Boyle County, and Lexington Catholic. So I don't know if there's more teams than just those four, but those those games again, which I assume would be semifinal night, would be Monday, January 9th. So yeah, they they if they advance, they'd be going to the semis um January 9th. Hmm. Well, Sweet. that's interesting. Yeah. I don't think Coach Brooks or any coach would want to go 18 days without a game in the middle of – or towards the end of December, first part of January. But I'm sure that's what it is. But um, Harrison County definitely cementing their position as the one seed in the 38th. Um, this week at the Marshall County Hoop Fest, I think they'll get tested and we'll know a little bit more about them. But um, Nicholas County um, – I think is a team that's probably positioning themselves for a nice two seed in the district. Uh, they went two and one this week. Uh, they lost a heartbreaker to Paris, um, 61 59. Um, Coach Wrights has those boys playing ball. And um, I think they're just going to continue to get better because they're so young. They're led by a talented player in Wyatt Clark. Um, but they got two wins over Robertson County and Villa Madonna to end the week. And Robertson County's a district win. So, um, they're currently 1-0 in the district right now. And I think, uh, you know, Coach Wright's, you know, I think we talked before the season and he was real excited about this season. Now I see why. They're a fun bunch to watch. Yeah, 5-3, and a uh, solid start for them. And, you know, we, we mentioned the, before the season, their their key was getting others to take some pressure off of, of Wyatt Clark. And it looks like they've got three others that are, that are helping – carry that load. Um, Preston Blake's averaging 10.8 points and 7.2 rebounds a game. And Peyton Hatton and Lincoln Morris are both averaging eight points a game. So they're getting 26 points collectively there and, and, and quite a few rebounds. Um, you know, Morris is leading the team with eight rebounds a game. Is, so. is Morris the only senior of that bunch? They're a young team. Um, you know, it looks like they've got... No, I'm talking about the four you just mentioned. Is Yeah. I mean, Lincoln Morris is is a senior, but I know he's only a junior. So. Oh, really? He must use this COVID year as well. Yeah, they're all they're all juniors or below. So you know they're they're playing well. Um, and again, like you said, I think the two seed there in that district is for the taking. It is, and uh, right now I think they're playing better than you know Pendleton County and Robertson County right now. So I think um, with their young guys and the energy that Coach Wright has on the sidelines, I think uh, they're only going to get better and. Um, they're hitting they're the road big this week, man. They got some drives. Well, they got a Dare County coming up, and they're coached by former 10th region coach Darren Breeze. Yeah, they played there. They played that to Dare County on the 20th and then at Nelson County on the 21st. I would be willing to bet. They're staying they're overnight staying, somewhere. Staying overnight around E-Town probably for that would be my guess. Because they're not in a Christmas pre-Christmas tournament, but then they go to Owensboro um, the week after, so – you know, I think that looks like probably be an overnight trip, get two games in and, you know, hopefully, you know, for their sake, they can get to seven and three before Christmas. And very good possibility. Good uh, I mean, you think last year they won 10 games total. So, I mean, they're, they're on a good track right now. And then, you know, Pendleton and Robertson, the other two teams in that district, uh, both of them have one win. Pendleton kind of got a good win to start the season against Ludlow at home and, you know, have dropped seven straight. They dropped three this week to um, Bracken County, Beth Haven, and Lawrence County. Beth Haven and Lawrence County were in that uh, 
whatever that uh, thing is called there at Rowan County, that Rowan County does that two-day event. Um, and this week, I think they got Bishop Brossard. And after this, after the Bishop Brossard game, I think Pendleton's off until the Philip Wood Classic, which is right after Christmas. Yeah, they got Brossard, it looks like, on Tuesday at Brossard. Be a tough test for those guys. And then they get a week off before, like you said, the Philip Wood Classic. So, you know, a, a chance for them to, you know, uh, get a game on, on Tuesday with Brossard. Uh, but they've got to they've got to really find their identity, I think, offensively. Um, Beth Haven really struggled to score. Look, they lost 42-29. But then the next day they scored 69, but they gave up 81. So, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of that had to do with pace of play and whatnot. But just I feel like they've got to find some more consistency on that offensive end. And they'll have, uh, you know, about a month to do it before Nicholas County on January 20th. So, I think that's right. the, and I the think- biggest game of the season for them. And I was getting ready to say that. I said all these other games, you know, you go in with the mindset and approach those games, you know, to win and to do everything it takes to win. But ultimately you're playing for that, you know, match up with Nicholas County. But like I've said before, is there any difference between the two and the three when it comes to seeding? So all they have to do, I guess, is, you know, beat Robertson County twice in their games and, you know, they'll lock up the two or the three to where then it becomes a, a district battle with Nichols County. So, yeah, um, unless, it's, unless you get home court first round for higher seed, but I don't think many districts do that anymore. No, I think they did it during COVID and stuff. But now I think yeah. uh, I think the boys will be at Robertson County. Mm-hmm. And I think the girls is at maybe Harrison County. So, yeah. um, all right, uh, 39th, um, probably one of the uh, – Hotter districts right now as far as play. Mason County moved to 6-0 this week with win over Holmes and Scott. Um, and it's – I think – and I'm just going to say it, and people can take this for what it's worth, but um, I think Mason County is better right now than what I expected it to be at the beginning of the season. Um, yeah. I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't know what made me think that maybe this could be the year that – Mason County would be a little down. I mean, anytime you return Terrell Henry um, and you gain a Riley Maston, you think, you know, that you would be better. But I just felt like maybe losing Nate Mitchell and, you know, all the stuff that he brought to Mason County, I thought they would struggle early on to find a replacement. But Coach Kirk continues to get it done. Royals are 6-0. and Rolling and just doing it methodically too. Just seems like nothing's going wrong for them. I mean – Four guys in double figures. KG Walton right there with nine points a game. So that's that's pretty impressive. Spreading the love around. They're shooting it well. Fifty three percent from the field. Thirty six percent from three. And uh, you know what? I think what's most impressive the other night. I think Terrell had seven points against Scott, and they still won by twenty. So Riley Maston again, big difference maker. Um, Really curious to see how they do in their own tournament this week. Um, I think they start off with a Greenwood team that's nowhere near what they were last year, so I expect them to win that one. But then they're probably looking at uh, Louisville Butler in the second game, and that's that 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 team might be in the top ten of my in the state um, when I put my rankings out tomorrow. Um, Wasn't that the team that Bracken scrimmaged? Uh, I think that was Manual. Manual, okay. Manual. Butler beat Ballard this week. Right. Um. Well, just to piggyback off what you said, um, talking about Mason County and Greenwood, 
course, Greenwood lost Cade Stinnett last year, who was a remarkable high school player. And I know they're one and seven this year, but just to let the listeners know that the Mason County Invitational Tournament, which Evan just referred to, is the 20th through the 22nd. You can find the brackets on Twitter, but I can give you the first round games, 2 o'clock p.m. on the 20th. You're getting Highlands versus Henry Clay. You know, we just heard Coach Franzen talk about Highlands and how they like to shoot to three. And if you go look at the results, they scored over 100 a couple times this year. So that might be a fun game to watch. At 345, you're getting Fleming County versus Butler. Um, Fleming County had a rough one against Ashland this week, but Fleming County's off to a fast start. And you just mentioned Louisville Butler may be uh, in your top 10 when you release your state uh, rankings tomorrow. 520, you got McCracken County versus Augusta. I think McCracken County is currently undefeated. Um, so that'd be a good test for Coach Henson and Augusta. And then the nightcap will be Greenwood at Mason County. So that's the 20th. And then obviously the results of those days will dictate the pairings on the 21st and again on the 22nd. So um, you got the Mason County Invitational at the Fieldhouse. You also got the Scott Winter Classic. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that NCAA if you're a basketball team, fan, next week ought to feel like heaven to you. Yeah, I mean, you got three or four teams that look legit can win that thing. So, should be some really good basketball at the Fieldhouse this week. Uh, we play uh, tomorrow. The Lady Cats play tomorrow at Brighton County, and then we're off until we go to Gatlinburg after Christmas. So, I'm looking to take in some of those games at the Fieldhouse as well. But um, Mason County, like you said, rolling, 6-0 and start. And um, fast on their heels, I think, is a Brighton County team right now that's um, equally as hot. Um, they got three W's this week following their first loss against Cuff Cath. They beat Pendleton County, Ashland, and Augusta. And to me, I think the most impressive part about that, um, you know, Ashland, a lot of people think is the top 15 team in the state. Um, I'm not so sure I agree with that, but I know a lot of people rank them high. Um, Augusta is one of those rivalry games that you never know what's going to happen. And then Bracken and Pendleton County are actually longtime rivals as well back when they used to be district opponents. And in those three games, the Polar Bears' average margin of victory was 28. That's against Augusta, Ashland, Pendleton County. Average margin of victory was 28. And not to mention, Blake Reed averaged 41 points per game in those three games, including a 59-point performance with 10 threes against Augusta last night. So um, I'd say the Polar Bears are, are hot. Stay They're hot. Stay yeah. hot. They're staying I, hot, man. I, mean, I do God. want to mention that the Stay Hot podcast predicted a polar bear victory over Ashland. So <laughs> you did. I, I, you, I know. I gave you props, man. That was a good call. And I mean, the, the way they did it, too, just convincingly. I think I don't think I expected them to win by 21 points, but I just watched Bracken play against Cuff Cath. And I think the higher level of competition, the more those Bracken players step up. Coach Reed's done a good job of um, – and speaking of Coach Reed, i got to give him a shout-out. Um, he's been a longtime fan of Argentina since he started playing FIFA last week. He told me <laughs> He told me he's been a longtime Argentina fan, and I know he's been a fan since he started playing FIFA last week and, you know, them winning the World Cup today. I want to give a shout-out to Coach Reed for his team winning the World Cup. But, uh, um, no, in, in all seriousness, I mean – you know, that Bracken-Mason game on the 27th will be a lot of fun. Now, that game is not indicative of what's going to happen the rest of the season or in the district or region, but that game's going to be a lot of fun in Lexington. Yep. I'm already uh, pl- trying to make plans on getting down there. because oh, You don't cover those schools anymore. You stay yeah, up but- north. 
No, yeah, you but, stay up north. But uh, Campbell County plays North Laurel two games before that. And then um, – Good excuse. Holy Cross plays Lyon County the game after that. So, that's Jacob Meyer versus Travis Perry, and I think I got to go watch that. So Yeah. And, um, and I guess I'll stick around for the nightcap. <laughs> I'll, prob- I'll be honest with you. I'll probably stream. Um, yeah. But we'll be in Gatlinburg on the 27th, but we don't play that day. So I'll probably, I may get all the girls around and put it on the TV or whatever and us watch that because I think it'll be a fun one. But um, Bracken County is going to get tested this week. Um, they go to the Pikeville Invitational Tournament. Um, that's another one of those good tournaments that's going to see a, a lot of physicality down in the mountains. And I think that's the one area that, you know, Bracken County needs to see more of before postseason play, just these big, strong physical teams and see how Bracken County does against them considering, you know, Bracken County is a little undersized. Yeah, it'll be a tough ass down there um, considering, you know, what they'll be matched up against. You know, they, they open with with Dunbar down there, and I think that's going to be a, a, a solid test to an 11th region team with, you know, a lot of athleticism that can match theirs and, that's the thing with these Christmas tournaments, you know, it's, it's three games in three days. So if, you, if you're relying on jumpers and your quickness and speed, you know, by that third day, you're, you're going to be tired. So they're going to have Dunbar, then they would play the winner or loser of Harlan and Ashland. So they could get a rematch with Ashland uh, on that Wednesday. And then if they can make it to the championship, you know, you're probably looking at Pike County Central or Perry County Central. Two, or, two a re- or they could get a rematch for Harlan of last year in the LA State. Yeah, that's Of course, Harlan doesn't have – a cow, but they still return a lot of those players from last year, and I think they're off to a good start. So, um, yeah, Pike Pikeville was in that too, and they'll be right there too. So, yeah, but I mean, how about Blake's game? Blake Reed's game, you night 59. Listen, Man. I was, and this will segue us into Augusta. I was watching the game, and Augusta came out in the third quarter and cut it to 45 44. And if you're watching that game, you're thinking, oh, here's another one of these Bracken Augusta games that's going to come down to the wire or whatever, then I think Augusta had a loose decision or something, and Blake got free for a layup. Then it seems like, you know, these kids want to say nowadays that he packs a clip. Blake don't pack a clip. He he packs a flamethrower. Yeah. And when he gets hot, I don't know if there's a, a a more prolific scorer in the state than Blake Reed. I mean, the guy put up 10, 10 threes, 59 points. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. It's amazing to watch him when he's on that kind of role. Yeah, I mean, you know, just the efficiency he did it with. 20 of 32 from the field, 10 of 16 from three. You know, those are both in the 60 percentile, hit nine of 10 from the line and grabbed 10 rebounds too. So, you know, he, he did it all, 59 points. And then, you know, Caden Reed had 19. He grabbed nine boards and – you know, Chase Archibald added, added 13, hit three from deep. So Well, you know, and I think Chase has kind of been there, you know, the last few games. I know against Ashland, he put up 25. When he's knocking down – That's what I'm saying. When he's knocking down consistent perimeter jumpers, that takes that team to a whole other level. And, you know, and I'm not saying Blake or Caden last year didn't play all-around games or whatever, but I think, you know, showing Blake getting 10 rebounds, Caden getting nine, because Caden's a very good rebounding guard for his size – but I think that also shows where they've grown and they've matured over the year that, you know, I see them out there playing more. I don't see them as worried about, you know, other things going on. I see them just playing basketball, and I think, you know, the results are showing that. Here's here's my question, since people wanted to hound me on Twitter this week about it. Are they a top ten team in the state? Who? Bracken County. Hmm. 
I think I need to see a little bit more before I rank them top 10 in the state. But and that I was definitely... my response. I, I said, you know, let me let me see them beat Ashland, which which they did. You know, they handled Augusta, which they did. And now let's see them when they go to Pikeville, have a good showing there. I'm not saying they have to win it because that's that's a tough task to win three in three days. Sure. Against good competition. Because they're not deep. You know, they lost to Shaw. Jashad Commodore's out for the year. So they just added, I see a couple baseball players in Ross Lucas and um, Hank Criff, which I think but, will help with depth. And Will help with depth, but it also – they're not in basketball shape yet, so it's going right. to take a while. So three games in three days is a lot to ask. So let's say they win two or three there, and then I want to see what they do now at Lexcath because obviously Mason County has been a thorn on their side this whole this whole century. You know, they haven't beat them since 99. So get past that hump, and then boom, it's going to be the winner of, you know, Madison Central and, and Warren Central. So if they can win those two games, and yeah, I'll, I'll say they're a top-10 team in the state, but let's, let's not get crazy, you know. I definitely think they need to be in some conversations when you talk about statewide, but um, I don't think they're top-10 yet. I think they uh, they have the schedule that could very easily put them there. Um, but top-10 in the state just because you beat Ashland and Augusta. Now, they did beat them in impressive fashion, but, you know, I need to say a little bit more, but I definitely think Coach Reed has his guys – you know, on the right path. What happened to Augusta defensively in that one? Is it just that you got to tip your cap to Blake and that Blake was, Reed? Yeah. I mean, I don't think Augusta's defense was great, but, you know, I don't know if anybody can guard Blake when he's on one of those roles. Yeah. And they're going to be yeah. in for another tough test when McCracken County. I mean, McCracken County is, is I think, the second or third biggest school in the state. So Well, and you I think they're – aren't they currently yeah. undefeated? Yeah, they're tough. Um, well, Augusta's, current, Augusta's four and two, but their next game is McCracken County, I believe, after that loss to Bracken County. So um, you got a few days to practice to prepare for McCracken County and kind of get that, excuse me, that loss to Bracken County out of your head and kind of move on. But um, Augusta's going to have to um, – and if they – who they got if they lose to McCracken County? I think they play their Highlands or – the loser of Highlands or Henry Clay. So. Yeah, they're gonna have to get their head on straight quick because they got some tough matchups coming up. But um, yeah, um, not to overlook St. Pat, but they don't play again till the twentieth against uh, um, Covington Latin. So that might be a game we talk about. Hopefully, uh, Coach uh, Tony Morgan get his first win that night against Latin, and um, I wish those St. Pat kids the best of luck. And that moves us on to the fortieth. Um, All right, breaking Clark- news: Clark County playing Great Crossing tonight. Is that what you're gonna tell me? Breaking news, it, the, the winning streak is over. Great Crossing beat Clark? Great Crossing 64, George Rogers Clark 62. Uh, Clark, I was go. I didn't know. I was getting ready to check to see the update because right before we came on, GRC was up 18 to 11 after the first. Um, they were up 12, and then it looks like, uh, let's see here, Crossing, yeah, they were down, Crossing was down 12. Well, we, we know Crossing, I think, at the beginning of the year was a preseason top five with the size they got. Um, Vince Dawson. I did see where they lost uh, former 10th region player Deshaun Blunt this week. I think he's on the move again. Um, yeah, that's the second team he's left midseason. I'm mm-hmm. not going to – I don't know the details about that. I did see what his dad posted on Twitter saying that uh, leaving the state of Kentucky not to be seen again. So, I don't know what happened there or what going on. But he seemed like – um, he was playing some big minutes for Great Crossing, and you know, well, maybe just fine. they just beat they just beat the number one team in the state, right? So, um, well, hats off to uh, 
great crossing and um I need to cross out my six and O GRC. They are now six and one. Yeah. Um, we knew that'd be a tough tournament for them, but I, I, I did expect them to win this one um, over a great crossing who I think is still a year away, but maybe they're not, um, you know, well, didn't great crossing lose a game early to somebody they shouldn't have lost to. Uh, well, Covington Catholic beat them pretty handily. Okay. Well, I know uh, great crossing and, and uh, GRC also play later on in the year. So, They'll mm-hmm. see each other again. So, but uh, you know, I've had on my my notes here about GRC that you know they're top twenty nationally, number one in the state, number one in the region. I don't know how this affects their uh, number one in the state ranking. I'm sure they'll drop. Um, but you know, just yesterday they beat Mel in the King of the Bluegrass, and Trent Edwards was the player of the game. He had 18 points on nine of 12 shooting. So a great game by Trent. And I saw where somebody mentioned on Twitter that you know the Trent's recruitment was still wide open that he, you know, he hadn't committed anywhere. And I don't know what it is or why more schools haven't offered this kid. I think he's got a bright future. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it looks like he's, he's stretched his game out a little bit too, to where it's perimeter oriented too. And he can, he's capable of knocking down, you know, the, uh, the three point shot. And, you know, I think he's worked on that a lot over the summer um, transition his game out there too. And, I think it's an understatement how much he can change a game defensively and, and how much he alters stuff. And he's probably averaging a good four or five blocks a game. And um, he, he's really, uh, you know, adapting into a, a complete player. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that recruitment goes. I, I definitely think he can play at a very minimum at, in the Mid-South level, whether it be at like Georgetown or, you know, Thomas Moore or Shawnee State, one of those programs and that's not a slight by any means because I still think he could probably play um at the mid-major D1 level as well well um wow I'm still I'm not gonna lie I'm still kind of shocked I expected uh GRC to win that game today and yeah I think if they would have won they would have played Lyon County so do they play again in that or is it yeah they would then move over to the consolation bracket okay and we'll have to see if you recall was you know the one time they lost last year was at the king of the bluegrass Right. They're long so, loss of the season. And we talked about it last week. How many straight games of that winning streak? Was it like 30-some? Yeah, 37. They were three away from um, tying Brewers, who Retro. shout out to uh, Aaron Massey, Ron Bailey. Um, there were some, there were several people that messaged me. I don't remember their names, though. Yeah, Will Will Jones. Yeah. Um, there was one other I thought. I don't want to say I missed them, but. I think they actually rather chose to stay anonymous, but they wanted to tell me. They couldn't tell me where it was, though. But right, um, Massey was told us to the county. Like he he told us the year. And what's really cool was they played Maysville back to back state championship games. Yeah, I thought that Maysville was cool beat too. Maysville beat him in thirty seven, and then Brewers beat him in thirty eight. And I knew Aaron Massey would know that he is a uh, the the knowledge he knows about high school basketball in the state of Kentucky. I mean, he's only missed like one regional tournament game and. 30 or 40 years or something and not a state tournament game or what. I mean, it's just crazy the stuff he remembers, but um, yeah, that was, that was a cool question. And thanks to those who reached out to us. I mean, because of that question, I've had other people reach out to me about questions as well. So, um, but um, also a key addition for uh, GRC, um, Jeremiah Mundy Lloyd is, is now part of the team. He had transferred over to Brian station to focus strictly on football. 
Um, football season ended, and then I think 21 days later, he enrolled over at GRC and didn't play last year for basketball. So he's immediately eligible and is playing a couple games for them. And hey, offensively, I, I don't know if it'll make much of a difference, but he's really a uh, a solid defender that can guard, um, you know, one through four with his, uh, you know, physicality and his quickness. So, you know, the the rich get richer, as I've as I've said for them for years, and just adds another other another piece to the puzzle for them. I just think it's totally ludicrous that you can play high school football from at one school and transfer to another school and play high school basketball and be eligible immediately when we have so many other kids in the state who have to sit out a year for whatever reason. I just yeah, and I know they're different situations, but that's just I just want on the record to know I think that's ludicrous. It's a, it's a weird topic. I mean, it's just I, – I mean, I don't know how how it goes from sport to sport, you know. And these these It's not like this is the first time this has happened to where – No, absolutely not. One, where, like, next year, let's say if he was a senior – um, but he, he's a senior this year, so it's kind of an irrelevant point. But – He could transfer senior, back to Brown Station to play football. Yeah, but he wouldn't be able to play football at GRC. Right. You know, it's just weird. Well, expect to see that then if he if that's a possibility. Uh, mm-hmm. But before we move on to uh, Montgomery County, just mentioned that next week um, Clark County will travel to I think it's Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for the Beach Ball Classic. Mm-hmm. So that'll be another good test for them. And like we said last year multiple times, it's pivotal that Clark County gets in these classics out of state just for a uh, competition to make themselves better because. Sometimes region-wide and well as statewide, they can't find enough competition to uh, challenge them. So I think they'll be challenged next week at the Beach Ball Classic. But um, Montgomery County, I think they've kind of solidified themselves as the number two in the 40th. They, uh, they're they 2-0 in district play right now. Obviously, they haven't played GRC yet, but they have beat Paris and Bourbon County. Actually, beat Bourbon County on the road pretty handily. Um, I think it was 60-38. to 38 and. Um, the only loss they had this week was to Martin County, and I think that was at Rowan County and that little two-day event Rowan County puts on. But uh, Montgomery County currently 5-2 and two and, you know, played a really good game against Bracken County, the, the game I watched. So I think Coach uh, Bentley's got the, the Indians on the rise. Yeah, playing well, 5-2, and two, like you said. Uh, they did just lose to Martin County at the Rowan County Stockyards Bank and Trust Challenge. Stockyards, I couldn't think of it. A big – Big week for them. They're hosting their Gateway Holiday Classic, which I, I'm always fond of. I've been there a couple times. It's a it's a solid holiday tournament, and looks like some some solid teams in that. They'll they'll open up with Henry County, but there's also Knott County Central. Frederick Douglass is in that. Muhlenberg County. I mean, those teams have all been to um, have made their trips to to Rupp um, as far as Muhlenberg and Knott County Central. Wolf County's in that, um, and then it looks like Garrett County and Johnson Central, and Johnson Central's tough too. So I think that'll be a good field, and we'll kind of see what they can do on their home court and see if they can well, come out of that a winner. I've actually had the the pleasure of coaching the Gateway Holiday Classic, and it's probably yeah. um, one of the holiday events that I've coached in that I feel like they do a very good job of taking care of you. Well, a well-ran event over there in Montgomery County, and I'm sure it's no different with Coach Estel or Coach Bentley from Estel County. Um, but um, just that 2-0 in district play will go a long ways of staying away from 
you know, the, the four seed. Um, now Paris has to uh, beat Bourbon County when they play at home, which I exp- I'm, I'm going to go on the record and say Paris beats Bourbon at Paris. I think yeah. Paris should have beat him at Bourbon County, and um, we know that kid made a great shot. Deserves all the credit in the world. Not only a great shot, but a tough shot, well defended um, to pull out that victory. But if it comes down to uh, uh, a one-win dis- – one- Paris and Bourbon both with one district win, I'd like to be there for that coin flip. <laughs> Back to okay, Montgomery County, I think – Where think- in Bourbon County will they do that coin flip? Yeah. Where would be the most obscure place? Puck's house, probably. <laughs> But Puck Ivan will be, will be there. Ivan and Ivan and Ivan will be the flipper, and Puck will be uh, the one that oversees it. I got a feeling that would go in Paris's favor, though, if that were to happen. Uh, Back to Montgomery County, you know, we rank our teams every uh, every week <clears throat> with the tenth region rankings. I think you can firmly put Montgomery in that top six discussion, where. Um, Two through six, there's not that big of a gap. But once you get seven through 10 or 12, that's where I think your gap kind of starts. Looks like it's starting to come in in the region. So I'm going to put Montgomery in that upper echelon. I think they're playing really well. I like what they're doing. And, um, it, you know, the way they keep playing like this, you know, they, I think it's it's going to keep improving for them with, with, with somewhat of a younger team. I agree. And, um, I really liked the one thing, you know, when they played Bracken tough, I think they had the one element that Bracken struggled with. And that was length. I mean, they had multiple kids and six, 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 seven long. And of course we all know about um, Luke Fons. Um, he's six, seven, but with his, with his wingspan, he's got to be at least seven foot. I mean, and he's capable of guarding wings and, you know, just it's hard to shoot over top of him. And, you know, I think they have more than one guy who can play that type of defense, but, it's um, yeah, I think they're the two. Then right now I have Bourbon County the three in that district just because of their victory over Paris. But I do want to point out, if you go back and look, me doing my show prep, I noticed that since that game at Bourbon County where they hit the last second three to beat Paris, those two teams have went in two totally different directions. Okay, Bourbon was zero and three this week. Paris was three and one. So um. You know, we know sometimes when you win those big games, it takes a lot out of you and a lot of energy and so forth. But it looks like Paris County didn't put their head down in pow- – or Paris County. Bourbon County was 0-3 with losses to Woodford, Montgomery, and Rowan. And then Paris didn't put their head down and pout over that tough loss. They bounced back with wins over Robertson, Nicholas, and Frankfort Christian. And that Nicholas County that we talked about it earlier was 61-59. And, you know, just to be able to win a close, tight game like that in the 10th, Shows the growth and maturity for those young kids. Yeah, I I'll say it now. I put Paris back at tenth uh, in my top ten. It's kind of been a revolving door of who that number ten team has been. But with the week they had, I I put them at number ten. You know, they did lose to Bourbon head to head, but a last second shot. And then you kind of look at what they've done since. I, I would have liked to seen them be a little bit more competitive with Scott. They lost by twenty two, but um. I still think it warrants kind of where they're at at 10th. So will that lead into our rankings or? Yes, sir. That's what I was going to say. You're first this week. 
All right. Well, it's funny. It's almost like you were reading my papers. You were talking about your rankings. A yeah. lot of mine didn't change. Um, yeah. GRC, Mason, Bracken, Harrison, Campbell, still the top five. Um, I had Montgomery County at six last week. I'm keeping them at six. Um, now, here's where I struggle because, you know, Scott's lost a few games, but I don't think anybody else has done really anything to pass them. Um, Brosser losing really bad to Campbell, and then Augusta losing really bad to Bracken. So I put Scott at seven. I went Augusta eight, Brossard nine, then I put Paris 10th. It was between me, between Paris and Nicholas, and where Paris beat Nicholas head-to-head is why I put Paris 10, and I had Nicholas at 11. But um, Paris was also my 10th team this week. Yeah, I mean, we're right in line, except I had Campbell four and Harrison five. I don't know why. I mean, Harrison had an impressive week outside of a loss to GRC, but I guess maybe from what I saw on Campbell Friday night really made me see their ceiling and, and, and how high that ceiling can be. And when they have Hamilton and Gross clicking from the outside, and they've gotten some real solid contributions from Connor Weinel, who's like a six three six four post player who's given them some really good minutes and then they've got some guys off the bench that can shoot it too so well and i think you just mentioned the difference you've seen campbell in person i haven't yeah I've, you know and i've seen harrison twice now and both times they were impressive so right um and, and campbell's three losses i don't think are anything to penalize them for i mean right three really good teams that they lost to but you know i, I put them at four harrison at five montgomery at six I did keep Brossard at seven. I have Scott at eight. Um, I think those two, it's going to be flip-flop until they play each other, and then we'll get a gauge of, of who's better. But it, to me, it's a toss-up right now. Put Augusta at nine. Just, um, again, I, I don't know how much you penalize them when a guy hits 10 threes and scores 58 points. So let's see how they respond this week at the uh, field house because they're going to have some really tough games, and then I put Paris at 10. Right, and um... – that whole Scott Brossert thing, you know, was kind of – it's intriguing to me because I think Brossert, you know, with the way they're playing and stuff is, you know, a fun matchup with Scott being district opponents. But, you know, I think a lot of that will dictate whether or not Howe and Hunter are back for that matchup. And with it being a district matchup that could affect seeding, which, once again, that's probably the 2-3 team right there already with Calvary will be the four um, – so not really sure how much, but I hope that Scott's at full strength when they get the opportunity to play Brosser because that's I think that's the only way we're really going to know. Yep. All right, um, Coach's Corner, man. You ready? Yeah. Then I got a, I got a question for you. All right, so I only asked two. Then that makes it easier for me. All right, so you know about you're you're a baseball guy. You like the Reds? You, you I fought, do. I mean, you're in the summer. You're 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 watching Reds games on a daily basis. Don't lie. Not really, because I got YouTube TV and they don't have Valley Sports. So I, oh, I will really? say this: I do watch too much of them on my phone if given the opportunity. Okay, so you're. I, I won't call you a diehard, but I'll I'll, I'll call you a baseball. I'm enthusiast. a fan. Okay, I'm a fan. An enthusiast. So there we go. Written rules of baseball, right? There are written rules or unwritten rules. Right. Uh, unwritten rules or written that's what I meant. Sorry. I, I mis misworded it. I should I should smack myself in the head for that. So there's unwritten rules of baseball. What are the unwritten rules of basketball? Well, I think if you ask 10 coaches, you're gonna get 10 different answers. But the one unwritten rule for me is um when or when not to back off your press. Um if you're um 
up 2025 and running, running clock, you take it off. Well, I take it off before running clock. Maybe I'm just too generous then. Um, mm. But, you know, I think you can tell when the first the first half, if you're significantly better than the team you're playing. And if you know your press is causing a lot of problems, um, I'd like to think if I get up 20, 25 and they're struggling across half court, I'll back it up. Um, and, you know, and I've seen coaches – I saw a coach do this recently and it kind of, you know – bothered me because I'm different, but that's not to say my, my way's right and his way's wrong or vice versa. But this coach, not they backed off the press, but then went into a, a half-court trap, which I know that coach has a team to prepare. Maybe that's a defense they plan on playing in the postseason or whatever. But um, I think mine, you know, there's more than one unwritten rule, but mine would be to try not to embarrass the other team by beating them into a pulp by pressing them for – 32 minutes when you're already up 25. Back to that half court trap thing. I think if you're implementing that in a running clock game, you're, you're giving yourself a false sense of hope. Cause if it's effective then against a team, you're putting a running clock on, maybe you run it in another game and it's a team that knows how to figure it out. I don't know, but I, I agree with that. And I, I, I mainly asked that question because I was watching sports center the other night and Zion Williamson did a three sixty dunk. His team was up eight with like three seconds left. There was no everybody was just you know how they always dribbled out the clock in the NBA, but he he went up and did a three hundred and sixty dunk, and there was some comments afterward on you know why are you doing that? So I just wondered if if that's if that's one of those unwritten rules. Well, well, I think in high school it's uh, you know, and I actually I felt really bad. I've got a uh, I can relate to this because. We were playing at Bracken County a couple of years ago with my group that was really good, and I think we were up like 90-some to 50-some, and I had a kid who never gets the opportunity to play, got a breakaway steal with like 20-some seconds going. I made him dribble out the clock. Um, now, he understood. I went over and apologized to him. I probably should have let him have that moment. He got the steal, um, never got to play a lot of big varsity minutes. Um, he was in that group of seniors who came to practice every day, worked his butt off, helped prepare us. I probably should have gave him that moment of shooting the layup, but I told him to back it out, um, which I felt bad about immediately. So I went and talked to him and apologized. And he understood. Um, NBA is different, man. I I wouldn't like it if I was the other team, and I'd probably remember it the next game when he went in for a layup. I'd probably do a Kurt Rambis-type foul. But <laughs> – that's just me. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, because if you talk to other coaches, they're going to say play to the final horn, you know. you got to still shoot it. All right, I got one more, and I think it, it kind of fits into what's going on the next two weeks. Um, what's your biggest takeaways when you when you guys are, are playing in, in Christmas tournaments? Um, you know, what are the biggest things you look for, um, whether it be one that you play in before or after Christmas or, you know, how, how do you gauge that? Well, my teams have never performed real well in Christmas tournaments, and I don't know why. Um, I try to approach them as business trips um, where we're going to actually play basketball, but then we can have fun when we're not playing. I don't know if that's the right mindset, but my teams have always always struggled, I think, in Christmas tournaments. But um, the one thing I like to see is, you know, how we respond on a quick turnaround. You know, lose a, say you lose a tight – lose or win a tight one on – Wednesday night and how quick can you turn around on Thursday, kind of have a short-term memory and still get focused, ready to play. Um, can you, uh, can you come out and play when you don't really have time to scout an opponent? 
there's not really a game plan when you play somebody on that second day and you've not really had a chance to practice to prepare for because you played the night before. Um, but, you know, that's a good question. But I try to um, focus on the um, – it gives us an opportunity, I think, to focus on the short-term memory. you got to be able to forget what happened the night before because you don't have time to sulk about it or worry about it or whine about it because you got to get ready for the next game, next, game, next day, whatever. Yeah, I think the, the one thing is that I hear some coaches say is just how they handle the adversity. You know, you're on the road, you're two, three hours from home, you're staying in a hotel for a couple nights, and, you know, you you lay a stinker the night before, and then you got like a game maybe, you know, 12 or 14 hours later. I think a lot of coaches like to see how they respond off of that, and I think that's a good teaching moment during those times to, to do that. So that, that that's one of the things that I hear a lot from, from coaches. Right, that's why I said, you know, kind of see how you bounce back. But, yeah. um, the, the you know, staying in a hotel is a whole nother aspect. You know, you want your kids to have fun, but, you know, I, you could tell your kids, all right, lights off at 11. But, you know, I coach girls. I can't be in that room after 11 to make sure their lights are off. You know, you hope that, the, you know, but then again, you want your kids to go. You want them to have fun. To me, going down there and winning three straight in Gatlinburg will be what's fun. Yeah. The girls may think, huh, well, um, shopping. The, the shopping trip, you know, after we play that game is what's fun and what I'm here for. But, um, you know, Christmas tournaments are fun. It gives you a chance to – some little uh, team bonding activities that you can do because most tournaments, you know, we only play one game a day. So if you play in the afternoon at like one or two, you got the rest of the evening to take in a movie, a restaurant, shop, whatever, and, uh, you know, get that bonding time with the kids that I think can be very advantageous later on in the year. For sure. All right. I had a listener reach out to me, a listener that you probably know. Shout out listeners. Thanks for listening. Absolutely. And we've been getting – uh, we probably get more listeners right now than we got at this point in time last year. So the number has continued to grow. But, um, not, man. yeah, it's, it, I mean, grateful for the support because, you know, every time I look, the number of, I mean, there's people still listening to week one. You know, those numbers are still growing. So um, I appreciate those people. But um, I'm sure you know Ja'Kai Royal. Yeah. Uh, coached him in the uh, the the short-lived APL. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's a baller, man. I've, I oh. covered Jakai for for a couple of years too when he played at Ripley. Well, I played against, I coached against Jakai one year when we were really good, and I remember that he's, game. That was a that was a fun game. It was like ninety to eighty eight, or it was like a real. I was gonna say game. he single handedly about beat us. He was that good, but yeah. he wanted me to ask you what were. Of course, I don't know if we got time for five because we're probably under ten minutes here, but um, he wanted to know your top five games that you covered as a media person for the Ledger Independent. Man, I thought that was a good question. I know putting you on the spot, you probably can't think of five right now. And as soon as you get off, you're probably going to think, oh, I wish I would have added that or whatever. But try to think of at least two since we could be short on time. I don't know when that's I – That's one of those I wish you would have let me know beforehand because I could have had a, a, a few worked up. But um, Well, how about this? I, I, can about think of, I can think of five pretty quickly, though, I'm sure. All right. Well, let's hear. Um, I mean, I, I then think I will give you the chance next week to add or take out. The the first year I was here, you got to remember, was 2016. That's the year that Augusta beat Mason County at the buzzer in the district championship. Tanner Pugh oh. shot. 
Yeah, and it made ESPN. And it, I mean that that that's Coach Jason that, Snap running out on the floor. Yeah, you know that's that's up there. And then literally a few days later was uh, Pig's three point shot to beat Campbell County in the first round of the region tournament, and then they went on to win the region. So those two for sure are in my top five. Um, it's funny, you know, Jakai asked that because. They, he was a part of one of them, but for his sake, it was unfortunate on the losing end when AP Perry catches, steals an inbounds pass against Ripley, throws one up like off one foot, and boom, banks it in, and Mason County beats Ripley at Ripley at the buzzer. That was just an amazing game. That Ripley team was really good that year. And I think that's probably why Jakai asked. He probably knew he was in one of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't leave out you guys in the All-A Championship beating Paris. Brandon Dice hitting that uh, three-pointer in the corner. Um, you know, that might be your number one all-time, but that's definitely in my top five. Um, and then I'd, I I think – and I, I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting a few here or there, but I'd have to say Jake Omer in the corner against Campbell County. Um, just the magnitude of that shot and what it did for his career – and how hard and the level of difficulty that shot was. He catches a long rebound. He's fading away in the corner, two dudes in his face. The thing bounces around off the rim like three times off the backboard and in as the buzzer sounds, and they're going to Rupp Arena based off that shot. So, And I've heard know, people say – Those are my five. Well, and uh, it'd be hard to beat those five. Like you said, if you think of one this week, I'd love to hear because I love hearing stories like that, but mm-hmm. – um, I've had people tell me who were sitting kind of, you know, at the perfect angle for that shot that he was like behind the backboard. Like the angle looked like it was just crazy, but you know, and it's crazy how one shot like that can propel his career, you know, went to Western, obviously finished out at Georgetown. He's still there. there. I didn't know that until the other day I was looking at rosters. I think he took a, COVID or red shirt year or whatnot, but he's listed as a senior on their roster. Nice and um, great high school player. I mean, my mm-hmm. goodness. The 10th region is the tournament itself has produced some memorable moments, but well, I could, I could roll out like a top 10, you know? Well, no, think about that for next week. Cause that's, yeah. I, I was, and I want the listeners to DM me on Twitter this week of some of your, most memorable 10th region moments. They don't have to be as a player. It can be as a fan, but just reach out and tell us and we'll share them next week. But before we go, I want to give a shout out to coach Ben Franzen from Bishop Rosser for coming on tonight. Um, we record these on Sunday nights and sometimes it's hard to get coaches on because of they're a dad on Sundays or whatever, but we do appreciate him dedicating some of his time. And um, Evan, hope to see you out this week somewhere over Christmas break, at least uh might catch a game. I'd like to see you. Maybe go out to eat or something. I miss seeing you around. But um, anything before we go? Um, maybe we should. Uh, with Christmas being next Sunday night, I think we are. We gonna take the week off or do it maybe the the night after? Or... Um, I could do the twenty sixth. I could do the twenty fourth. I could do the twenty third. I could even do the twenty fifth. But I, I know you're a family man now. My girls are coming the evening of the twenty fifth. So, I mean, yeah, we'll probably shoot for the 26th then. All right. Yeah. Because um, we're not leaving to go to Gatlinburg till the 27th. So, okay. All right. Cool, man. All right. Once again, thank you to guys at home for listening and stay tuned and stay hot.